You're listening to Irish Radio Candidate Home and Abroad, and uh, a topic always of interest is what goes on behind closed doors. What's said or what wasn't said, or who said what, or who didn't say what. And Ireland is no different than anywhere else. And a number of years ago, an Irish journalist, Kevin O'Connor, he wrote a book called Sweetie, and it was about Charles J. Hockey. And that was back, that ultimately made it to the screen. But Kevin has just published a new book on Charles J. Hockey called Political Betrayal. And Charles J. Hawley was a pivotal figure in Irish politics in many respects, uh, controversial. And um, the big question was, and what Kevin is covering in some of this, is what happened or where did or who did it come from? The £70 million, Euros or whatever we want to call them, the Charles J., according to Kevin, pocketed. Kevin O'Connor, thanks a million for coming along and congratulations on the publication of the book. Thank you, yeah. Uh, just before you leave, sweetie, uh, that revealed, of course, the romance, the 27-year romance with Terry Keane, and also that it cost the Irish taxpayer 26,000 a month in whining, dining, presents, and houses. So <laughs> we'll now go to the betrayal. They're both departed, of course, but Charlie died in 2006, and Terry died, I think, in 2009. Right. Uh, we're, now we're into uh, political betrayal and I reveal that Moriarty Tribunal, they sat for nine years on Charlie uh, and they said that he got 45 million from big business uh, throughout his career. Uh, and uh, I'm saying it's much more than that. I'm saying it's up to a, at least 70 million uh, and I'm just quantifying it a little. Firstly, back in 1982, the government installed new digital telephone equipment uh, with the French government. The deal cost over $4 billion at the time. And uh, Albert Reynolds, the Minister for Post and Telegraph, who later became uh, Taoiseach, he told me this story. He said that he had heard that Charlie was doing a special deal with his friend, French President uh, Mitterrand, uh, when Albert heard about it, and as a result of Albert's intervention, France got 60% uh, of the deal, and Sweden received 40%. Uh, and all, according to Albert, going on him, he said there was a substantial kickback for high in that uh, particular deal. Uh, another one was a, a friend of mine was in the city when he spotted an acquaintance of his coming out of Bank of Ireland with a suitcase. They had coffee together and my friend was told that he was on his way out to Concealy with the suitcase which contained half million in cash. He also told my friend that over the years his boss, a multi-millionaire in the food business, had paid high more than six million for uh, political uh, favours. But the biggest money earner uh, for high was the passports for sale deal, which allowed rich Arabs to invest one million in an Irish company in return for a European passport. Uh, and the man who knew all about the special high deals with 
uh, with the Arabs was former John Corla, Dr. John O'Connell. He knew the Arab donors and how much they had paid Hawhey after former Cahirlock of the Shannad, Sean Doherty called a press conference to tell the nation that Hawhey knew all about phone tapping within the government ten years previously. Charlie denied it in a special press conference. And then John O'Connell, the former John Corla, so you had the Cahirlock and the John Corla moving. John O'Connell moved 24 hours later. He talked to, uh, called it to conceal Charlie's uh, spacious home and told how he, uh, he would call a press conference and reveal how much money he received from the Arabs over the years unless he received his resignation. How he resigned 24 hours later and John O'Connell immediately sought a meeting with the Tisuk in waiting Albert Reynolds who told him he would make an excellent Minister for Health and he subsequently appointed him uh, Minister for Health. And just before I go away from that area, I've also given testimony myself on oath to the Moriarty Tribunal about payments made to Charles Hawley by an Irish company. He was given 300000 As a result, the government made a decision which usually benefited the company. Of course, I won't be saying any more about that because it's legal. Uh, Kevin, before uh, we go any further, I just want to let the listener be reminded of your own credentials. That's originally from Limerick, um, uh, or that in neck of the woods, and uh, you were a journalist for your career uh, in and out yeah. of politics um, that you covered from, you were with the Irish Press uh, for a period, you, the Limerick Leader before that and uh, you were also with the Sunday Independent so many many years of investigative journalism with 30 years in Parliament watching Charlie who was a walking genius I should say you know Uh, as I said three three divine persons in one he was a a lawyer uh, and an accountant and of course a government minister so um uh, th- that's where I observed him and I decided to come up with the book, sweetie, and now we have this one. And this one deals a lot with the finances, but also with Charlie's connection with the IRA. And uh, I wanted, uh, that was where I wanted to come to now as well, is because in that, you, in the book, you're stating that uh, the special branch uh, had a memorandum that indicated that uh, Charles Hockey uh, was liaising with what were the provisional IRA at the time. That's right. The, I have a copy of that special branch, and it said it. Firstly, it's secret meetings with Carl Goulding, then an IRA chief of staff. And they discussed, discussed how weapons could be moved in the north. And in, uh, a year earlier, in '69, he met the British ambassador to Ireland, Sir Andrew Gilchrist, and they discussed the possible British terms for a united Ireland. Uh, and, of course, uh, I also established that while he was the Minister for Finance, uh, he, uh, that, that's from the 60s, late 60s to 1970, he was tapping the phone of his boss, Jack Lynch. And at that time, the Tisuk had assured every member of the Dáil that their phones had not been tapped by the government but he was certainly wrong at that time. But because uh, I do know that opposite government buildings, a technician on duty 
uh, in the Marion Street a telephone exchange spotted something unusual. The official, Brian Killeen, found a parallel tap on the main distribution frame and he brought it to the attention of his superior and they discovered that uh, Charlie was tapping Jack Lynch's phone. Uh, there was uh, months later he he um, no he he, he at, at that time he he uh, denied that he was tapping him and of course they didn't they, they didn't pursue it at that particular time. But um, re the special bands regularly tapped Charlie's phone uh, when he was out of government, particularly from 1970 over the arms crisis to 1975. Uh, and kept the, the Jack Lynch government informed of what was happening at the time. And you mentioned that uh, memorandum, and that was certainly an extraordinary memo for many aspects because it demonstrated that Charles Howe was prepared to act as a spy for the IRA. He, would, he said he would pass on anything he hears, but to keep his name out of it. Now, when you mentioned the tapping of uh, yeah. the phones of members of the Dáil and the Senate, um, of course, what that basically did, as I understand it, was it allowed Charles Hawley to exert influence, and I'm using words gently here, over his colleagues in order to secure his own position. Oh, yes. Well, he survived four heaves uh, throughout his... Uh, 12 years uh, at the, the top in Fianna Fáil. Uh, but, but since we, before we go away from tops, I just want to tell you uh, that according to uh, the secret, no, it wasn't just a special branch and Charlie Howe tapping phones. I am, I am also have evidence that the Howe cabinet meetings in 1988 were tapped by the British government. Now we always believed that happened, but we never had any evidence of it. The, the information to the Irish government came from the then American ambassador, Margaret Heckler, to her friend Brian Lennon, the late uh, foreign minister, and over uh, tea and, and cakes, uh, he was told by Margaret Heckler, Heckler, are you aware that your cabinet meetings are being tapped by the British government because they, they had brought in a, an official to sweep it and a representation of the understanding were made to Margaret Thatcher, Thatcher uh, the British Prime Minister at the time uh, and uh, it was never made public never made public Right, so as you say he survived four heaves and that in itself is a, a political miracle very few people would be capable of surviving four and an awful lot they're doing well to survive one but he obviously kept dossiers effectively on his so-called colleagues Yes, I mentioned that dossier situation uh, with former colleague Liam Lawler um, he was called in because by Charlie because he intended joining the Progressive Democrats uh, Des O'Malley's new party back in, in 85 it was and uh, Charlie said I believe you're joining he called them the Piddly D's and the man said yes I am and I think that Des O'Malley is the coming meet, uh, leader in 
in Ireland. And John Lee said, oh, you do, Leo. And he went over to the cabinet and pulled out a file on Liam Lawler. Uh, and uh, pictures of him, uh, 18 different bank accounts, a whole lot of information on Liam Lawler. Uh, and uh, he was, Charlie said that he, that he intended going to the, thinking of going to the Minister for Justice with this new information and to the Attorney General. And eventually he said to Lawler, I want you, uh, we'll, we'll, I'll think about this, but in the meantime, I want you to join the Progressive Democrats and keep me informed on a weekly basis as to what they're up to. Okay. And just as the dollar was leaving the room, Charlie said to him, what kind of a car are you driving? Oh, a Mercedes 8 Series. Get rid of it. But I only have to buy it. Get rid of it. It cost me 80000 Get rid of it. We can't have a gobshite with a car bigger than the t shirts Get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, that's how he'd feel. he had him in the palm of his hand at that stage. He had the goods on him, you see. And he had dossiers on most of his parliamentary party. Indeed. So, Kevin, we don't want to go into all the details, but we do want to let people know that where they can get the book. It's coming up to Christmas. It's an ideal time to be thinking about giving somebody something to read. Where on this side of the yeah. Atlantic can somebody get their hands on political betrayal? Amazon. Okay. You can online on Amazon. Excellent. And um, the uh, reaction so far within the uh, in uh, in Ireland since uh, you've just published, uh, how has it been received? Well, it was very well because the former RTE political correspondent Sean Dagner mm -hmm. called it the most explosive book to come out of Ireland in the last twenty-five years, and that certainly has helped sales. I'm sure. I'm sure indeed. I'm going to say, like I saw where you have described uh, Charity Hahi as manipulative, cunning, devious, ruthless, astute, charismatic, generous and caring. Um, I guess yeah. you can say all the um, the warm flaws and the ice cold are the warm uh, personality traits and the ice cold flaws wrapped in together. Yes, but we mustn't forget what he did. His legacy is substantial. 44,000 employed in the Financial Service Centre, uh, 2 billion to the Exchequer. Uh, he, he did bring in free travel into this country. Uh, and the equestrians, he's, we left us a world-class equestrian centre. Uh, this is all due to Charlie's uh, foresight. Uh, and um, we, we can never forget that for him. And likewise, how he treated the arts. Oh, yes, absolutely, uh, the, the arts. And remember, he also made a substantial contribution to the peace process in Northern Ireland. Despite what was going on in the background. Uh, yes, you see, he was, he was, as I said, three defined persons, you know. Mm. <laughs> I know, as somebody I heard somebody described once was, he would have been then an enigma wrapped up in a mystery. Yeah, was that Winston Churchill, yeah. I think so, yeah. I think yes. Yes, it was, yeah. Yeah. Churchill, yeah. So, so, a genius, an absolute genius, he was. Kevin O'Connor, it's, right, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you, and uh, again, congratulations on the book, and uh, wishing you 
and all of yours a very happy Christmas. And you too, to all your viewers there, have a great Christmas.